0: Yo, what's up, everybody? It's the All In Audio Experience. It's Jordan here. I got my guy
1: Trent over in Orlando. Where you at, my boy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm here. We got a special guest for y'all today. We got Marcel in the building of Benson Watch. Um, This man has over 900 investors. He is. He was named top watch brands by New York Times. Um, A designer and and owner, so this is a beautiful time, a beautiful thing to have you on here, man. How you doing today? I'm, I'm doing
2: great, man. I appreciate you having me.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, so I we guess, appreciate man, you coming can, on. Yeah, we can go ahead and let's dive in, man. so let's just get the background of where you're from, where are you from, and then we'll we'll go from there.
2: So I'm I'm uh, originally from Prince George's County, Maryland. So, you know, I'm not sure, like, you know, I'm not sure the uh, demographics of your viewership, but BG County is uh, like probably about 10 minutes outside of uh, just to kind of give some, you know, some context. So like a suburb outside. Okay.
1: Okay. So what? Um. So beyond that, so growing up there and then. How did you end up into like I guess the watch business? Where did the first interests come, you know?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting. Like, um, you know, I, I come from PG, like not not necessarily the greatest, you know, the greatest parks, right? Um, I didn't grow up like rich. I didn't grow up, you know, um, with a family that went to college and stuff like that. Um, so my parents was they they were more focused on like me getting into college and like that to them that was you know, breaking generational curses, right? Like being the first to go to college, graduate, stuff like that. And um, I kind of bought into that. You know, I was, I spent a good part of my childhood doing the wrong thing, but, you know, I was able to get my act together in time. I would say probably like around 11th grade um, where I started to like just really, really focus and start to think about my future because I had seen so many of the, you know, people that I had grown up with just like going completely, you know, in the wrong direction. Um, so I decided I was going to go to college. You know, I was going to get a good job. And um, I was going to be that, you know, that person in the family that, you know, graduated and, and had a great job. Right. So then I, you know, I did. I went down to Morehouse, um, graduated with a business degree, um, started working in consulting. And then I realized in working in that, you know, in that job that I had done everything that I was supposed to do, but somehow I, I wasn't feeling good. Like I'm, I'm not excited to wake up in the morning to go to work. Um, you know, I, I don't get along with the people at, at the job. Like I'm, I'm not passionate about the work that I'm doing, right? It was literally just like a high level <laughs> way to just get a check, right? It, it's no different than working, you know, at a fast food joint just because like I was, I was literally going just for the money. So um, I decided one day that I didn't want to live like that no more. So I started to just kind of think about, different things that i was passionate about like throughout my life and when i you know when i when i really started thinking about it it was it was watches right like i got my first piece when i was seven years old it was a it was a a little square kind of cold watch with a silver link and um i wore that watch just pretty much everywhere and then that kind of like initiated this passion for it i started collecting watches so got my first piece at seven collected up until I was about twenty-five and I probably collected about a hundred different watches. Right. So when I when I think back to that experience and just like over my life, I'm like, well that's that's the one thing that not only was I doing for free, but I was paying to do it. So I'm like how how cool would it be if I could, you know, jump out on my, you know, on my faith, right? Like like what I'm passionate about and use that. As a metaphor to inspire the masses to do the same thing, so that's how I came up with the the concept that time should be spent doing what you love. So, literally, as I'm climbing the ladder and and you know continuing to grow, Benson is simultaneously inspiring people who have passions outside of what they're currently doing to go and pursue those themselves. So, I feel like my my story, you know, my results and all that is just is just going to serve as a a, a massive example.
0: Of what happens when you decide to you know to pursue your passion no nah, that's dope that's super dope so for the people that i i, I like my accessories but trent's more like the watch connoisseur to me so for the for the folks that's not like hip yet what are like the different styles of like watches if we could like break it down you know what i'm saying i mean there's so many man there's so many right and
2: there's and there's different levels and tiers, so um, just on a very foundational level, there's, uh, you know, there's your fashion watch, which is which is mainly what we make, right? Um, but the mm-hmm. fashion watch, when it doesn't have um, like a mechanical movement, right, like an intricate mechanical movement priced like under uh, under $1,000, a lot of times it's considered like a fashion watch. Um, so a big part of like what I'm doing is I'm, I'm designing pieces that have the high-end aesthetic, but... You know, the price okay. price point is comfortable so it falls in that fashion that fashion price point because I'm making it for us. A lot of us are not there yet. We will be. And I'm also working on a high line okay. for those people. Um, but I wanted to start off with something that was accessible because I know when I started collecting watches, like all the pieces that I was most attracted to, like, I couldn't
0: afford. So I was like I wanna put yeah, all the ones the rappers got. Was that <laughs> All oh, the ones the rappers got yeah, exactly. I'm looking like, well, what am I gonna get one of
2: those? <laughs> so, I was like, I want to, I want to kind of bring that, that same like element to a more affordable piece. Uh, you know, for now. Um. So, so there's the fashion watches. Then there's the there's the luxury watches, and then there's tiers within the luxury watches. So there's like the lower tier of luxury, which is like, um, um, uh, Long Longines. Um, these are uh you know Movado mic fit in there. These are all pieces that are priced like fifteen hundred to thirty five hundred. Um okay. RDA has some has some pieces in there before you bust it down. Um then you got the you know mid-tier, which is like Rolex, you know, this is stuff that starts about you know five thousand dollars, goes up to like twenty thousand. Um and then you have the upper tier which is um, you know 25,000 and better this is you know this is your uh Audemars Piguet's your uh Richard you know Richard Mille's your uh Frank Mueller's, you know uh okay. RBMS, you know what i mean like these super high end pieces you know that can go anywhere up to you know a million plus uh Patek Philippe right yeah. so those are the, those are the different like tiers uh you know of watches in terms of like styles i mean it's infinite mm-hmm. That, like I said, there's there's a quartz, which is a battery operated, and then there's the mechanical, which has a million different types of movements. But the mechanical movement is uh, essentially autonomous; it, it it works on it. It doesn't need to be connected to a, a battery or or anything. Like it will work forever as long as there's some sort of movement, um, you know, hand motion or something. Mm, um, that's crazy. Yeah. So then, then like I said, inside of that, you got Things like your field watches, you got dive watches, which are you know like super uh, uh, watches with high atomic meter uh, depth or whatever. You can go like deep sea diving with the watch, and it you know it won't be impacted. You have dress watches. You got um, you got airplane uh, you know watches. You have moon phases. Like this piece right here is a moon phase. So this one this one tracks the twenty nine point five phases of the moon. Um, okay. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many, I mean, I, we, we could be on here. But, but. I got you. No, that's good
0: that's right there.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, so since starting at seven and then having this business, how did you, I mean, to get into this business, how does that work? You know what I'm saying? How do you, even make those connections was it something you just built over time because you were a collector so you just kind of knew people or how did that work for you
2: yeah i i didn't i didn't know anybody man like i I literally like i said i started the company um because i knew i wanted to do something different i knew i knew that like the corporate route wasn't you know wasn't for me um I, i just wanted to create something that allowed me to uh, just completely be myself. And I, and, and, it, and it's been a journey to getting back to that place. You know, you, I mean, you went to Morehouse, right? Like a lot of us, um, we're taught to like, you know, talk, walk, dress a certain way and kind of fit into a, you know, like a certain mold. Um, but it takes a level of courage to kind of just like, you know, like veer off and, and, and do your own thing. And I wanted to create something that like would allow me to completely abandon any of any of the corporate stuff. So that that means like I would be able to like not have to you know shave my face. I could grow my hair. I could do whatever. Right. So once I like I, I knew that I wanted to do that. So um, you know with that in mind, I just decided like whatever it takes, I'm going to do. So I like I said, I didn't have any contacts in the in the uh, industry. I just started going to like different blogs and stuff like that. This is back when blogs were big. And I'm like just on on under blogs. I'm in I'm in all the comments, just trying to figure out who the people. And I was fortunate enough to meet this uh guy, brilliant guy. And uh he actually, I'm not sure if he's even still in if his company is still open or not, but he uh he used to own this company called the Orange Watch Company. And he basically just spoon fed me his his connect. Like, He gave me, uh, you know, the manufacturer, you know, to uh, that made his watches, and was just like, yo, go use him. Um, and the and the crazy part is, I originally didn't use it because I was like, there's no way that it's this easy. You know what I mean? Like that that's how silly. Like, I was like, there's no way that I can get to the manufacturer like that can do my pieces for this price this easy. Like him just telling me go here. I'm like, got to be something wrong. You know what I mean? So I decided to go with another manufacturer. And then I actually wind up getting burned for 20000 20, by that manufacturer and then I wind up going back to the one that he originally gave me in the first place. So what I'm making this that it can be very easy. Like it, it may not, you know, like finding the, you know, the manufacturer getting into the industry, it's not that hard. It's really just a matter of like, um, you know, obviously you have to have the capital to get your initial inventory. Um, The most difficult part, I would say, in the industry is being able to just manage inventory because of the time frame that it takes to get them uh, created. So when you're talking about cash flow in your business, um, you know, when you when you have something that takes about three months to make, you know, and you got to spend, you know, a decent amount to to get that inventory in because you don't want to have any sort of lapses in your uh, financial year. Um, that that can be like the difficult part, and just kind of like understanding like what you need, um, especially if sales begin to lag at a period and the cash flow is not as high. So, um, so yeah, that, that I mean that that's pretty much it. It's really just like having a manufacturer. Um, you can make those without contacts. You don't have to be, um, you know, a, some special person with special connections. Like we live in a time where like you literally can just Google pretty much anything you want to know. Um, and just spend time, you know, like following up with these leads.
0: Yeah, we learned ourselves uh, started doing business about three years ago. That cash flows is a big thing in business. It's, it's, it's,
2: <laughs> that's that's what we cash cash flow and profit. You know, oftentimes we talk about, a lot of people talk about revenue, right? Like, you know, yeah. revenue is cool, but you know, it's just it's just the top line. Like, you got so many. You yeah, items and you know expenses and things to get you to that. Facts. <laughs> You know a lot of businesses in the year without seeing any problem. Um, and it's yeah, you know it's not so terrible. You know within a certain time frame, but you know we all know the goal is to make money. So,
0: facts. And, and get in the money you actually need it. That's why it's like you understand why like people put interest rates and stuff out there, and like why like the time value of money is important. Like you right. need money at. Immediately, <laughs> facts. Now it's always uh,
2: always better than later uh, when it when it comes to facts. You know, unless unless uh, unless you have a, a, a high enough interest rate. Like, if it's a super high interest rate, then maybe not. But uh, I mean, like you said, the reason they're charging those rates is because right now is the most important. So if they got to get it. Yeah, they got to make
0: you pay. So going into the design aspect of like what you do, like, can you just? just give us some insight into like what that part of the journey was like, um, becoming like a watch designer, mm-hmm. maybe some of the things you enjoy about it. Um, some of the things that's hard about it.
2: Yeah. So for me, like i never studied art or nothing like that. Like I was never like a, I never drew, you know, growing up, I just started sketching and pretty much figuring out my way, watching videos and just doing what I needed to do to, to just piece it together. Um, but my biggest philosophy when it comes to design is just making it simple. You know what I mean? Like I feel like the best. You, you think about think about all the brands that you that you really like, and that have kind of stood the test of time. Like they all have mastered an element of simplicity. You know what I mean? Like I mean, even even with the streetwear, you look at Supreme. Like it's it's very simple. You look at you want to go into a different you know like brand or genre of clothing. Like you know like Ralph Lauren. You know, very simple, like um, shit in the watch industry. Rolex, right? You look at you look at Movado, you look at paddock, like very simple, straightforward. It's it's more about like the materials, you know, the quality, um, but the simplicity of it is what allows it to like last over you know over time. That's what makes it like a classic, right? Yeah. Um, so what I do when I you know I start designing like it may it may initially have like a bunch of different features like I might have a chronograph over here I may have like you know numbers and all this extra you know stuff like on the watch but then I ask myself like how much of this can I take away and like it still be clean like what what pieces can be like stripped away and the watch still you know still look good and I just kind of start playing around like that so like like. Dump everything on the page, and then just start taking stuff away.
1: So So with this, also, so you do hand sketching. Um, Do you use software at all? You know, is that something that um is needed, or something that you want to get into to design, or not really? Absolutely. So
2: I'm, I'm not, I am not, I am not skilled or trained in the software So beyond the sketch. Like it's, it goes to my, uh, my renderer. So I have a, I have a, a, a guy in, a, a, in Europe that, that does all of my um, renderings, like all of the, all of the mock-ups of the pieces, like when it's actually like in full color and texture, um, that's, that's done by him. I haven't, I haven't figured it out. And I've, and I've worked with a lot of people and it's just like, it's a certain, it's a specific person that can that can that can create those renderings like the right way. It's a lot that goes into it, um, yeah. so I, I I stay away from that aspect. I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, you know I'm not skilled in that in that
0: you know side of the business. No, I feel that yeah. like 3D rendering is a it's a it's a craft in its own. Yeah, for sure. Um, Go into your Cardinal collection, um, that's like the feature. Co- on your side right now can you just break that down for the view or the audience yeah so the cardinal um you know was was named
2: just because it was like you know most important or first right so that was the that was the, the uh thought behind um that was our original watch um the original colors were like uh brown or uh green and i believe we did a uh pink for the original colors and um, that's just like our, you know, flagship single watch, straightforward, um, and it's it's been working for us for years.
1: Okay, okay. Um, so now, so this is a question. I don't know if you're like, do you have a brick and mortar, or are you just, um, you know, just digital with this uh, with your store? Is it? Um, is it even worth going into brick and mortar? Is also another question that I would like to ask. So that's,
2: that's actually a good question. That's a really good question um, I get, um, from brands that are like thinking about going into department stores. Because I was, I was actually the first black-owned watch company in um, at Macy's. Right. So you'll you'll notice there's a few other black-owned uh, watch companies that are getting out, and it's you know to them. But from my experience, it's not a great idea. So that's the reason that I actually pulled out. So I was in, I was in, I was in. uh, They have a store called MGM Men's that were, you know, that was in all their MGM casinos. Um, We were in there. We were in Guild Group, and um, I found out that it just on the surface, it it was great, right? Like I'm, I'm during. If you asked me during that time, like you couldn't tell me nothing. I was excited. You know that was like circa what 2019. Uh, this is like you know 2018, 2019 before the pandemic. Like I was, I was very excited, um, but I realized that it, you know, it doesn't really make sense until until your company is making, I would say maybe like 20 million in a year. It doesn't make sense to uh, to work with the department store unless you're doing some sort of strategic partnership, and i and I'll get back to that in a second. So. With Macy's, um, you know, you, you get in the store. Um, they they may say, "Hey, we're going to throw you in a hundred stores." Um, but what they what they put in each of their contracts is something called a buyback clause, and you know, and that means if we don't sell these in a certain period of time, you got to buy it back from us. So we, we might have wrote you a check for half a million dollars, but if you only sell you know a, you know a quarter of that, you gotta you gotta run that you know three hundred back, you know. Like, everything you got to get back. So, um, you know, we just decided it, it didn't make sense. We tried doing on the online thing, like working with Macy's online. And, um, you know, that was cool. You know, we were fulfilling our own orders. The orders were coming through to Macy's website. Um, but then we realized, like, man, like, they're not actually spending money targeting people saying, hey, come buy this Benson watch we're spending the money on Facebook ads and Instagram ads to send people to Macy's to sign up at Macy's to collect all the data. So, you know, in a sense, it's like they, they know they have a big name, but it's also, you know, we, we also in 2020, 2023, like it's, you know, and I, and I realized this early. I'm like, Hey, these, these department stores are closing hundreds of stores a year or, or, or less like a little less, but they're closing a lot of stores. So that means that they're not, growing. The industry is not growing. So there's no way that your, your infant business is going to grow as a result of being in the store. And then on top of that, like I said, they're, they're playing you. They're getting your information. Like I said, they can, they can use, they were using the idea they wanted to support, you know, like black owned companies and do all these, so they use all the language to to make it alluring. But when you think about it, it's like, oh, hold on. I'm, I'm paying for your marketing and I'm giving you my customers. That don't make sense. What no
0: for of what we I come really. back say,
2: oh, yeah, I'm in Macy's. And you just, just sit on the internet like, I'm in Macy's. And people be like, oh, congrats. Yeah, so great. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. You know, it, it does help with your credibility. But, you know, as a business owner, we got to think about bottom line. We got to think about you know, like building that you know that data. We got to we got to we got to you know that that email list, that text list. We need all the information, and we want to own it completely. So that's when I just made the I made the decision to say I I, I cut ties with all the companies that I was working with, and decided to just go in house completely digital, and 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 being completely in control of the product and the brand. So. If i ever want to do something with a company it would be some sort of partnership like if i want to launch like a collaborative uh, so i'm working, working on a couple collaborations right now so i'm working on a collaboration with jb smooth and i'm working on a collaboration with uh you know another designer friend of mine i don't want i don't want to mention the brand yet because they're kind of going through some you know uh, legal shifts to name or whatever so i don't want to put that out there but we're, you know, we're working on collaboration, so we may go to, like, a, a Nordstrom or Neiman and say, like, hey, we want to, you know, we want to collab and do this, like, pop-up shop here. You know, exclusively here, we split the, uh, we split the, the proceeds, you know, the, the profits um, for this, like, two-day event or maybe this one-week pop-up shop, you know what I mean? But just something that's mm-hmm. very exclusive and temporary um, that that's mutually beneficial, but not something that's going to you know feel like we're being you know completely taken advantage of. So um, and 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 when you really just think about it, right? Like when you when you think about a business that works, you have to think about damn. When is the last time I walked in Macy's and like, wow. When the last time you walked in? Yeah, yeah, no.
0: No, no. You know, uh for what? I only go to like department stores with my folks nowadays. Like I don't I do shop in department stores like that anymore. Well, no I mean you know, like
2: last you know, sometimes we go get a last minute outfit from Bloomingdales or something like that or Macy's, whatever, right? But the last time you really was like, Y'all about to go shopping at Macy's? Nah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? nah. nah. It's
0: been a long time. It's,
2: so it's just like you, you gotta think like that when you're thinking about okay. I gonna how am I gonna get this to the to the customer how am I gonna get the customer to purpose? like what's what's realistic what are people doing do? and the fact is they're 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 not they're not going there they not so so like I said while while there are brands that are sitting here and they're excited about being you know in Macy's the fact remains it's like it's not gonna grow your company so you know as a as a you know as a as a startup like I'm looking at I'm looking at avenues that's gonna help us grow And that's going to, you know, that's going to benefit us overall, not something that's going to take, you know, the company that has the bigger name to the, you know, to the next level, give them some sort of credibility.
0: Okay. Yeah. So where do you, where do you see the watch like landscape going as far as like the customer experience, like where, where do you see yourself like positioning like, your company is to providing the best experience over like the next five to 10 years when like, say I'm a customer mm-hmm. and I come to get a watch from you. Like how do you envision like that experience being for me? Great question. So we, we, we do eventually,
2: um, I think that the in-person experience is something that cannot be, uh, it can't be matched. Right. Like, so yeah, we, you know, we sell online, there's all this digital stuff. There's AI that's taking over. a lot is you know the metaverse like, and we are, we also aren't going to have an experience, a metaverse experience as well. Um, we are you know building up that allows you know that will allow people to you know to experience it in that way. So it will simulate in person. Um, but we do want to have a flagship, uh, you know, store within the next couple of years that allows people to just kind of you know to come in and get the full experience of what the brand represents. Right, so that's you know, that's that's inspiration. That's that's connecting with other, you know, like like-minded individuals. Um, you know, that, that's being taken care of when you, you know, when you come into the spot, being greeted, um, you know, with great energy. Um, you know, having conversations in this kind of like club-like, you know, environment that you would not necessarily, uh, you know, just be able to have, you know, on the internet or, or on your own. Right. So just a, a very a very intimate and curated space. Um, that kind of um, creates an atmosphere for you know, for like-minded individuals to kind of come together and just, you know, like build. Um, that's that's how I envision it. Um, it won't be the traditional like cigar and and whiskey. Like we're we're not a pretentious uh, watch company. We're more like I, I like to look at us as like a watch company that's connected to its uh, its customers. Like so we have a, we have a pretty strong pulse on like what the people that, um, you know, that purchase Benson are are into, like what their priorities are, like um, what they like to do. And, you know, it's not, it's not super traditional.
1: So what is, because you started to speak on this a little bit, um, getting into that metaverse and um, this AI and all of that. What is this new NFT project um, that you are working on? And just like, you know, give as much or as little as you want about it you know yeah so the the nft project uh
2: is live we've limited the um uh, we limited the purchases or the the amount available to the purchases that took place in the first round um we will be opening like another uh you know another round like as time goes on but there you know it won't expand beyond the amount that we created i think i think that we we created about uh, three hundred total, but they're not even all like I said. They're not even available for sale. So the people that the people that own them, um, if somebody else you know were to want an NFT, they could only go to the people that own them, right? So the the i the idea was to give value to the customers that have been supporting us, give give them some sort of tangible way to benefit from the brand down the road. So you know, right now we're in a we're in a okay crypto market but as crypto begins to uh, recover and people you know b- begin to like um, gain more confidence in the economy, you're gonna start to see these things become you know wildly popular again um, and I think that'll be the time where you know we're able to get in early we'll be able to you know to sell their uh, you know their nFTs to somebody else um, but as far as the story behind the nft, um, it really just represents, you know, my likeness and the, and the story, uh, you know, that I've, that I've created for the, for the company or that I've lived. Um, the, picture, the picture of the NFT has, uh, there's, there's a few different tiers, but most of, uh, four of them have uh, me with a tie wrapped around my head. Um, and this, it's actually right here on my desk. I keep it right here on my desk. Um, it's a picture of me when I first quit my job, right? I was at was, uh, the purple tie. I took it all. I had a haircut and everything. I was like, I was, I was squared
1: up. <laughs>
2: and, um, I, you know, I had a tie around my head. Just This was just my way and how I like, calmed down this nervous energy because I didn't I plan this fully. Like, I didn't I didn't have, like, savings put away. I was just like, I just got to get out of here. So I took that picture to kind of calm me down. And it was also something to remind me. Uh, and I, like I said, to this day, five years later, I'm still looking at that picture every day reminding me like I can't go back to that you know it's, it's keeping me you know it's keeping me locked in keeping me focused on you know where I'm you know where I'm trying to go what the what the mission is what the purpose is and that there's people that are watching me that are that are you know seeing that it's possible to do this on their own so um, that picture I, you know we, we took and made a digital version of it um, you know just different variations of the tie color different uh, shirt details and stuff like that and that represented like the, the decision. So the, you know, the story around that decision was, was the first four tiers of the NFT. Um, and then the last tier, um, you'll notice that I actually have hair and there's no tie wrapped around my head. I'm actually holding the tie, just kind of like, and that's supposed to like symbolize like where I am now. Like, you know, kind of like back, this particular NFT is the most expensive one. Um, and it's, it symbolizes like, like looking back on that experience and like showing like you can arrive here by just making that decision you know from from over there like I'm not dead right I'm not I'm not homeless like I'm you know I'm thriving from a decision that I made and I'm I'm just showing people what it looks like on the other side um and then of course the NFTs come with different perks like you know like lifetime discounts on the watches um you know a few of them come with actual, you know, physical watches. Like they came with like some sold out exclusive pieces that we don't have anymore. So you know, there's definitely like use, you know, for all the NFTs. Like none of them are just are just the photo, even though the photo is enough to you know to go and flip.
1: Um, they they also come with perks. <laughs> Ooh, that's amazing, man. Getting into this. This digital side of things and NFTs—that is um, a big thing. A lot of people, like you said, they not believing, but it'll come back. It'll come back. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like
2: anything, right? Nothing, nothing is of value until until we observe it into value, until we give it value, right? So a lot of people would think like, "Hey, how?" how is, uh, you know, a digital currency, I mean, uh, you know, a, a digital, like, photo worth any money? And I could definitely understand, like, you know, a lot of people, like, thinking like that, right? But this, you know, the, this art that I have in my house, right? It's like, okay, like, I could look at it, but still, what makes it worth what it's worth? What makes it worth what it's worth is that somebody's willing to pay that amount for it. And it, and it means something on, it meant, it meant enough to some to someone to pay that amount. So that becomes the market value. And it's the same with NFTs. It's like, you know, none of this stuff technically can go with us anywhere. Like you're not you're not gonna be driving around all day long with your art in your hand. You know what I mean? Like it's it's somewhere where you can see it or where people can see it. And that's and that's just what it is. So that you know the NFT I think is just like a newer a newer version of that. But like I said, anything that we that we sell or purchase, it, it has to be given value by us. And and for me, I think the value of this is, is is really the and the symbolism of the of the piece, like what it represents. And um, you know, there there's some people that agree and they purchased. And then, you know, um you gotta have to let time unfold to really let it determine like what what it will truly be worth. Um, and I can't predict that. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and like pretend like I know exactly. Like I'm not guaranteeing that people will be rich by buying it. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing that they'll make a dime. But I am putting it out there and saying something that you know that means a lot to the company. It represents a story. It's what our brand was founded on. And since you've been supporting, um, this may be a good way for you to eventually, um, you know, like profit from this down the road.
0: Mm-hmm. I think crypto is a classic example of um, the early adopters. The risk takers are probably gonna look back in ten years and be like, "Well, we we told you, like, yeah, it had its faults, but you just kind of have to stick with it." Yeah. and over time, it you know, absolutely. Like it's like I said, none of us have a crystal ball, right? But
2: it's like you know, if it like it like when it when it works a person is is deemed a genius you know and then if it doesn't it's like it's the opposite but you know these are kind of the risks that you have to take and um if you just look at where the world's going like everything everything is 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 digital right so i think that also i think that a few opportunities i think i think that that means more things are going to start you know more of the things in our daily life are going to become digital